Welcome to a special Character Evolution Cast episode, everybody. This episode, we are diving into the topic of intra-party conflict. But before we get to the episode, here's what to expect in our call to action. After the show, join us here for our thoughts about this episode, as well as further reminders about the Academicon and Couriers Call Kickstarters. We have our standard patron thank yous and normal podcasting ending stuff. Also, you know, whatever we decide to say back and forth somewhere in there. Yep. <laughs> Until then, everybody, enjoy the show. Welcome to Character Evolution Cast, a show where we discuss what to do with all those characters we just made. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia, and today my co-host Ryan and I are sitting down with each other to discuss how we can incorporate intra-party conflict into our games to enhance our experiences. Yeah, I know I am relatively new to, to utilizing this actual technique in in my own games as many of our uh, listeners will know <laughs> and we know that we know that you amelia uh this is what you thrive for uh mm -hmm. but uh with our die rpg game starting up soon together and just having covered that game which is just just ripe for intra-party conflict uh i think this feels like a really good topic to follow that series yeah i agree so yeah, I'm I'm excited to teach Ryan about intraparty conflict today. Yep. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite things. Um, we're gonna see how this goes because I, I think it's a really difficult topic to discuss. It's something mm -hmm. that I would love uh, to see more people incorporate into their games and kind of something I would really love to help more people be comfortable with because I think yeah. it can be awkward, um, but it doesn't have to be, and it, it can bring a lot of drama. Um, to your games too, yeah. which which to me makes them a lot of fun sometimes. Yes, you, you kind of want to have that sort of drama for this sort of like thing to incorporate, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, and we've we've covered die obviously, um, but we've also covered things like Pasión de las Pasiones, which is another one that's going to thrive on intraparty conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so it doesn't just have to be sort of like a dark fantasy or you know right. like really heavy topics and stuff. It can be mm -hmm. done in a silly way. Um, oh, absolutely. So that's definitely something that I I think would love to see people bring to their games because it really does um, mm -hmm. it does a lot to give your characters more dimension too. Right. Exactly. So uh, let's just dive right into it uh, and start with the basics. Uh, for those that might not know, what is intraparty conflict and, and what sort of forms can it take in tabletop role-playing games? I love how it feels like you're interviewing me here. You're the expert, <laughs> I'm the Amelia. Expert. Um, so intraparty conflict, um, sometimes people say interparty conflict, uh, is... Conflict between players in a party. So that means that you are having some kind of connection with a player mm -hmm. in your group. Um, conflict 
can take lots of forms. Sometimes it is outright like this other person in the group is my nemesis. Our goals are at odds, Mm -hmm. something like that. Um, When you talk about something more like Pasión de las Pasiones, when we recorded that, Ryan and I were twins. Um, And so we were in conflict by, I believe, being in love with the same person, wanting um, the same kind of fortune, you know, so it's, it's, basically where your goal and another player's goal are in conflict or competition. So right. there are varying levels of how how much conflict is there, like mm-hmm. how difficult that is to overcome, what kind of level of sort of like, you know, there are differences in what level of aggression that can take. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, basically, it's any time where your goals are in conflict with each other. It's right, probably exactly. the quickest way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our next question is, how is intraparty conflict different from normal conflict that you might have with NPCs? Yeah, it really feels like it adds a totally different dynamic to the game sessions, right? Because mm-hmm. traditionally, it's... The the GM plays every other character and you are responsible for one person, right? Right. And and when you're doing conflict with NPCs, you're doing conflict with a fraction of the GM's attention. And there's no real personal stakes there. There's no personal one-on-one stakes there usually. It's mostly a, well, this is an NPC. This is just uh, like a pawn in the game that I'm playing, not not an actual like character per se. You know, there's there's a different sort of mindset when it swaps to now I'm having conflict with my other player's personal character, right? Yeah, so I think of it um, in a couple of ways. First of all, is that in a lot of games, the GM's role is to provide you with adversaries. Yeah. So having conflict with an NPC, um, it doesn't necessarily have the same like emotional response in you necessarily because it's something that you expect the GM to provide you with. Mm-hmm. Whether those are like personal emotional conflicts or just sort of like fight kind of conflicts, right. that is a role that you expect the GM to be in. That's mm-hmm. not to say that they're not a fan of their players or that, like, they're, you know, like, in an adversarial role where they're, like, fighting right. against the players. But it is something that you expect from the GM. There's, mm-hmm. You go into it knowing that, like, you will be in conflict with the story that the GM is telling. Yes. That said, when you are having that conflict with another character in your party, it is unexpected sometimes we'll talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about how to you know make it so that it's not totally out of nowhere but Mm -hmm. um it's it's not necessarily a role that you like expect another player to be in because usually you are a group a party thus the interparty um the other thing is that player characters will continue to be there throughout the story yeah. Whereas NPCs, sometimes player groups adopt an NPC and there yes. they are and they're there for the game. <laughs> but there usually is the potential that like you will leave that town or something will change in the story mm-hmm. or, you know, like that is not a long term 
story thing that you will have to continue to work with and face yeah. every single session over and over again in every single interaction. Yeah, so, and it, it feels like a lot of what we're going to be talking about today can also apply to GM PCs as well. Definitely. Uh, which is kind of like a subset of the NPC where the GM has a character that tags along with the party in all the adventures, right. but like is like one step removed from the decision-making process. Exactly, exactly. Um, and that's, you know, that's kind of what I'm, what I was trying to say, yeah, pointing out the difference between when a GM character does it and when a player character does it is like that level of involvement and sort of emotional stakes yeah. of it, you know? Exactly. Um, so I, I think for me, that's kind of how how you differentiate it. And then um, because of that level of removal and that sort of expectation of being in conflict with a GM, the way that that bleeds into real life and the kind of mm -hmm. safety tools you need to set up for something like that are different. Absolutely. So what are some of the benefits uh, that we can get from incorporating intra-party conflict in our games? They are excellent opportunities for role play. Yeah. Um, you can role play being friends. That's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but I think all of us can understand when you watch a TV show or a movie or you read a book, there is conflict between characters. Mm -hmm. And that is usually where the story is. And it's yes. not always conflict with characters you've never known. Like it's not whole group goes to town, has conflict with a random stranger in a bar, leaves town, has a new conflict with someone else. It's a long mm -hmm. ongoing thing with people they know. Yeah. And usually those stories are more interesting and more emotionally involved and fulfilling. Yeah. Let's say if they are with people that you know and exactly. people with whom you have a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's what makes for the kinds of stories that we like to read and watch and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I think it really gives the potential for more exciting narrative in a story when mm -hmm. there is conflict. Um, exactly. And again, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean, just to be really clear when we talk about this, that like we're not talking about you need to find another player in the group and be at each other's throats. Right. Like I said, it it can be very minimal of like mm -hmm. you, what you want out of this and what I want out of this are not the same thing. It can be yeah. as simple as we're not doing this for the same reasons. Mm -hmm. And at some point that might come to a head. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I can think of so many different examples like of right. subtle interparty conflict. Right. 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 Yeah. So yeah. I, I think that there's there's lots of ways to do it. But I definitely think your story will feel more exciting, more interesting, more fulfilling mm -hmm. if there are options for that kind of thing because there are emotional stakes. And without emotional yeah. stakes, it is often hard for us to get interested in a story and to you know mm -hmm. feel connected to it. Exactly. And, and one of the nice things about incorporating the inter-party conflict is if you do it in a way that has a lot of emotion attached to it, that's going to be uh, a, a good point of uh, potential emotional bleed if that's what you're looking for in right. your game. Definitely. So 
what we need to talk about next then is preparing for yes. that intraparty conflict. Um, and this is the part I think that is most important about mm-hmm. trying to do this willfully and intentionally. Yes. Because um, there, there's plenty of ways to do it accidentally. Right. Or, or in the heat of the moment within games. Right. For and, sure. And it's, certainly that's not to say that every time it happens, it is a disaster. But I right. think a lot of people have stories. They can tell you a lot of people who have been playing games for a long time. A lot of people who started to play games and then never played again mm-hmm. will have a story about interparty conflict that was unexpected or unwanted. Mm-hmm. And we really want to avoid that because Absolutely. that is when I talk about how much I love it, that is not what I am talking about. No. <laughs> um, so, you know, some of the things that we want to do are, are certainly things that we talked about in our session zero episode that we talked about mm-hmm. in our safety tools episode. Um, and most recently in our die episode. Mm-hmm. So I think really, you know, going back to kind of that session zero thing, the very first thing you need to do is talk to the other players in the GM and yeah. say, do you want this? Like Communication. Right? Oh my gosh, what? Why? That is not a thing we've ever talked about on this show before. It's almost like your role-playing group is like a, a relationship. relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so the, yeah, the first thing that you really need to do with your group is to find out are people okay with this? And I, I mm-hmm. think this is going to be or should be a broader discussion than just kind of a yes or no. Right. You can send people this episode <laughs> because yep. there are a lot of people that will say like, no, I don't, I don't want to have conflict. Like these are my friends. I want to have a fun time. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fight with people. Right. Um, and that is certainly a perfectly valid answer. There are lots of people out there who are like, I want to have fun with my friends. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to just like Mm -hmm. goof off and have a good time. That's totally cool. But like I said, there are different levels of it. So you can certainly measure what kind of conflict you want to have. It Mm -hmm. It is not a switch. It is a dial. And... So you can start with questions of like, do we want to have no conflict at all? Do mm-hmm. we just want to like all have the same goals? Yes. Okay. Right. Which is also another conversation of like, okay, how do we make sure that's true? Yeah. Because certainly there are times where things come up in game where you say, well, my character wouldn't do that for that right. reason. You know, mm-hmm. my character is trying to get back to their family and it's like, well, my character is trying to save the world and those right. things are in conflict. Yes. Um, and again, it can be as simple as, you know, I love the same NPC that you love, and now mm-hmm. we are in conflict. Right. And now we're fighting with each other over <laughs> this person's love. Yeah, and, and I think it's probably good to to say that it goes beyond mere just disagreement, right? Right. Because, right. like, a disagreement can happen pretty much any time. Like, should we go left or should we go right? Well, I think we should go left. I think we should go right. That's disagreement. That's not, That's like, not story conflict, conflict yeah. that right. we're talking about here. Right. We're talking about something that will have kind of an impact on the way you interact with another character. Right. Um. You know, it, and certainly the conflict 
could be, you know, like the the left or right can be where that conflict comes to a head, Mm -hmm. you know, of like, I have been following this sacred map that was given to me by my family and this is my destiny. And, you know, the other person is like, I have trained for this for forever. I have studied, I have, you know, and you have a gut Mm -hmm. feeling that we have to go that way. And I have years and years of training that says we have to go this way. And, you know, like that can be a conflict um, Mm -hmm. between like why I'm doing something and why you're doing it, how we are doing it. And yeah. then right or left is where that that comes to a head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's something to be said for having that conversation of like, are you okay if our characters don't get along all the time? Right. And to what level are we mm-hmm. kind of bickering siblings? Are we straight up rivals who are forced to work together? Yeah. Are we rivals that don't? want to work together and are spending most of the time trying to undermine each other, yeah. which is certainly what would have happened if we had played that Pasiones, Pasiones game, mm-hmm. is that like we would have spent most of the time trying to undermine each other and then yes. maybe occasionally worked together when it would benefit both of us. Exactly. Um, And then there are times where you and a character like do things differently and most of the time it's we are working toward the same goal we are just not doing it the same way yeah and then we end up in conflict there are times Mm -hmm. where you're like my character just straight up does not like your character we're not friends you know we had that in our (laughs) in our die series like we went through and it's like who's your favorite person who's your least favorite person right no one liked bentley bentley liked bentley You know, and even then (laughs) and right. And, you know, it's like we saw all of the places where that was going to conflict. We saw that Juliet and Francis were going to have differences because it was not the Juliet show. Yes. It was the Francis show. Or Mm -hmm. was it? Right. Exactly. um, You know, but at the same time, they both wanted to play the game and they were both showing up and doing this thing. So. Mm Um, you know, those are certainly just some examples of how that conflict can work. Um, mm-hmm. I think another thing to talk about is how much do we want this to impact the story? Mm-hmm. Is this kind of a bubbling background thing that affects the way we, you know, we talk to each other in character, but yeah. doesn't really, you know, like like we're siblings who don't really like each other, but mm-hmm. we're on this adventure together. And that's you know, the extent yep. of our conflict is who was mom's favorite. Yeah. Um, or is this something where I want it to impact the way that the story goes? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, we may not get things done because you and I are fighting. Right. Um, and are the people that are not part of that specific conflict okay with this? Yes. Um, because I think, I, I feel bad. I feel like I'm talking this whole time and you're like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> But, you know, not everybody, again, wants that conflict. Um, And it's certainly okay to say, I don't want to be involved in that, like, fight that you two are having. Um, And so, you know, how much does what we're doing bleed into what other people are doing and Mm -hmm. impact their story? Um, One of the things that they ask in Die is, like, when you have conflict, do you want it to be something that's ongoing or do you want it to be something that like comes to a head at the end or do you right. want no conflict at all? Right. Exactly. And so, you know, that kind of 
gives an example to what some of those those dials mm-hmm. are. Is yeah. you know, is it between me and you? Is it between each of us has a conflict with another person? Is it a thing that affects the story every session or only at the end at a climax? How mm-hmm. does all of that work? Exactly. And there, there's a lot of good examples out there for the, some of the stuff that you had taken uh, or talked about there. Um, like one of the big examples I can think of is like if if anybody here is a fan of the X-Men, um, Charles Xavier and Magneto team mm-hmm. up constantly. Right. They used to be best friends. And then Magneto has a very different ideological view of mutants within the world versus what Charles Xavier has. And that's where the big conflict comes from. But they constantly have to team up against bigger threats. And there's a lot of undermining that's trying to happen from Magneto's end because first and foremost, Magneto's the villain, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But he's the hero of his own story. So there's like a lot of different levels that you can go. And then there's like the traditional, um, like, uh, I hate to kind of put this example out there, but it's, it's like the Lord of the Rings, elves and dwarves don't like each other sort of thing. Right. Right. Where like, it's going to be just this minor chiding throughout the story. But I mean, eventually that, that chiding turned into appreciation. Right. right? Right. That was kind of the point of overcoming those racial divides and stuff. Right. I mean, and and certainly your conflict can look like that. You can say, we are going to start in conflict. And then, you know, over time, prove that like, you know, like we came in with preconceived notions about each other, but we don't yeah. know if they're true or not. And it may change. Um, exactly. That's not to say, yeah, the conflict you set up at the beginning has to continue because obviously characters mm-hmm. change over time. Um, exactly. In the stories that we tell. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that we we also want to point out at this point is um, setting up conflicts between characters as part of your session zero, like specific conflicts. Mm-hmm. Like um, you had talked about uh, characters that were married, mm-hmm. but didn't want to exactly be married to each other yeah i've played but some like that a few times (laughs) yeah and so it's like you know setting up the backstories for your characters before play even happens Mm -hmm. is is another place that's ripe for kind of strategically placing conflicts that's going to come up at some point during gameplay regardless of how you approach it when the game starts Right. Like that's those are big parts of your character's pasts that will bubble up at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's really there's really two parts to this kind of preparing for interparty conflict. The first one is obviously it's going to be safety tools. Having mm-hmm. that conversation of is this a thing that you even want? What yeah. level of conflict are we okay with? Um, how are we okay with it? Like affecting other players and what impact it has on the story. Um, and then setting those clear boundaries about like, this conflict only happens when we are speaking in character specifically, yeah. or, you know, we don't talk about it once we leave the table. It's not something that we do between sessions or, mm-hmm. you know, like respecting those kinds of boundaries too. Um, because again, a lot of people have had that situation where 
characters have some kind of conflict and it spills over to people having some kind of conflict. And the goal here is not that. It is the opposite of that. It is, I am having so much fun with my friend because we're being jerks to each other. Exactly. Um, And I I love that. I love that kind of storytelling. And it works great if you have friends that are also into that. And if people aren't, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be fun for the person it's happening to. It's not going to be fun for the person doing it because you're not getting what you want out of it. You won't be getting the kind of interaction and story that you want if you're trying to do this with someone who is not Mm -hmm. into it. Um, Yeah, especially like your friends. So why would you want to make your friends uncomfortable? Exactly. And so along with that, checking in consistently of like, hey, is this, you know, this in-game argument that we're having, are we okay? You know, Mm -hmm. um, making sure that you're constantly asking those questions just because somebody said at the beginning, yeah, for sure, I'm okay being in conflict. It doesn't mean that they haven't changed their mind. Mm -hmm. So communication, communication, communication. Exactly. Constantly. But then the other part of preparing is what do we need to do to make conflict happen? Yeah. Not only just like, how do we make sure it doesn't get out of hand? How do we make sure it's fun? Okay, now what is the conflict? Mm-hmm. So I, we've, we've talked about how to prepare for getting this into your games, but how does it actually work in the game? How, do, how, do, how does this uh, play out? So the first thing, it kind of it it kind of a little bit goes into that preparing, um, and then continues into the game. So when we talk mm-hmm. about preparing, we talked about those safety tools, and then the next part is like preparing the characters. I guess mm-hmm. right. We've prepared as players, and we've said these are the rules. These are this is what we're okay with, what we're not okay with, how we want it to work, mm-hmm. and then we need to prepare our characters to be in conflict. So having a session zero where everybody's kind of making characters together helps a lot. Mm -hmm. Certainly it's something that you can do and that I have done when we've made characters separately by just having conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest place it comes up a lot is backstory of like, we knew each other from before or, you know, here's Mm -hmm. my, my story of my character. Um, And it is in contrast to your story as a character. I gave that example of like, you know, the sort of like chosen person and then the person mm-hmm. that's prepared all of their lives. Right. Those backstories don't necessarily have anything to do with each other, but they are in conflict when you come together into the game. Mm-hmm. Like, so you can you can do it that way. Um, you can build characters who have relationships with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So like one of the, the questions later on in here is like, what are some examples? And I feel like I'm going to end up using all of my examples <laughs> in explaining this. Um, yeah. but I like to build relationships with other characters. So, um, obviously everyone knows a game I like to play a lot. is Legend of the Five Rings. What? Uh, I know, right? And this is a game where the setting in a lot of cases has arranged marriages. Mm-hmm. And those are just ripe for intra-party conflict because oh, yeah. you are getting married, supposed to marry, are married to somebody that mm-hmm. you didn't necessarily choose. And it may be great and it may not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have had an instance where it was awesome. We were people that like 
We got along fine. We were best friends. It was awesome. We were not into each other. <laughs> right. We were both gay. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were living in this little like polyamorous lifestyle where it was like, sure, socially we are married, but we get yes. home and I have my partner. He has his partner. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we all have dinner together. And it was great. It was like a fantastic story where we took something where we might have been in conflict because we were mm-hmm. not the kind of people that were into each other. It was just politically expeditious. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually made that not be a conflict because we mm-hmm. were like, we don't want to fight about this. And we certainly didn't want to tell the story of like, oh, they are actually queer and now they're stuck in this sad merit. And we were like, mm-hmm. we don't want that. We want it to be something where like, I know that you are in love with your bodyguard. Yeah. yeah. I know that you are in love with your dueling partner, whatever. Let's just be a big happy family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can tell those kinds of stories or you can say, We are people that are in a marriage that we don't want to be in at all, which is a thing that I have done. Um, In that case, we were we're not married yet, but we were like supposed to be married Mm -hmm. and we were just not good for each other. Um, And I did this with another player in the game who Mm -hmm. was a friend of mine. Um, And we just spent a lot of time sniping at each other and just kind of like because I was this like magic user it was a shigenja um Mm -hmm. and he was like a warrior and so he's like i will i will hit it with my sword and i was like "Mm, but what if the spirits and we did this you know like and he was like no all in leroy (laughs) jenkins all the time Uh and you know like our clans didn't get along and like we ended up actually not getting married but it was a great time of like we would go to these like social occasions and have to pretend to be together and like that was a lot of fun to play out these two people who really didn't like each other trying Mm -hmm. to pretend like oh great our engagement party this is fantastic we love it so much it's so great (laughs) (laughs) um i've also had it where it was like we were married and we were gonna like to we didn't want to be but like we were gonna try and make it work and that led to this like really intense emotional moment um where my husband in the game did magic that involved him promising several years off of his life in return for what he was asking the spirits to do Mm. and my character ended up having like this huge meltdown um partly because it was not a kind of magic she'd ever seen before and she was like what are you doing like are you evil i thought you were fine And Mm -hmm. then also being really upset because it was like, we are married now. Your life is my life. Yeah. And how dare you not ask me first Mm -hmm. before you made a sacrifice like that. Right. Um, And so that led to like one of my favorite sort of emotional moments in a game of like, you know, we're newly married. I don't know that much about you. You don't know Mm -hmm. that much about me, but like you made this decision that seriously impacted me yeah and that was born out of this little tiny piece of like okay we're married and we don't really know anything about each other and we didn't really want this like we did not choose this Mm -hmm. and this happened in like the third or fourth session oh yeah Um, so it was very early on but like that's the kind of thing that that making those small relationship decisions Mm -hmm. can really lead to um and it's you know oh yeah like 
hey, how do you want to be related to me? Hey, yes. how how do we like that? You know, because yeah. it can be like, oh, I want to be related to you. I'd love to be your wife. We don't like each other. Right. You know? Um, yeah. And, and you can also like keep adding on to that chain as well. Like, well, now these two are in a contentious, like arranged marriage relationship. Mm -hmm. But now character C is the like, the, this was this character's lover. Right. Before the arranged marriage happened. Mm -hmm. So now there's triple conflict. Right. Of like, I've got a duty to my spouse, but I love, this is the person I love. Right. Right. And, and that's just extremely ripe for drama. Yeah. And you can also end up playing it like a, another way too, where it's like you start out in that conflict. Um, and in this case, it was like, my partner hated his parents and then we had to go visit his parents. And so mm -hmm. then it became sort of this alliance of like, I don't like these people. You don't like these people. Right. What can we do to get out of this? <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, it doesn't necessarily have to remain a conflict. It doesn't always have to be a conflict because certainly mm -hmm. we could have left that situation and gone right back into, I don't understand you. Yeah. But in that particular situation it was like okay we have a common goal here which is to get out of family dinner you know yeah um and so you can you can work it from lots of different angles you know we talked about in pasión de los pasiones um we chose to be siblings mm -hmm. and you know there definitely was the potential that we might have to work together at some point oh, to do something but most of the time we had alternate goals um, mm -hmm. So I think building relationships with other characters is really a really good way to easily kind of get into that because there is no relationship in the world that isn't at least a little bit complicated. Right. Even if you've best, been best friends with someone for years and years and years, mm -hmm. there have certainly been times, especially if it's been years and years and years, where you have not gotten along and yeah. you have not wanted the same things. Mm -hmm. And um, whether those are big or small that's there's stories there yeah there's potential there right and then there are also games that ask you those kinds of questions yeah. you know we've covered a lot of pbta games that have those relationship questions mm -hmm. um like there's i can't even name them all there are lots of games that have relationship questions you know even die where it's like who do you like and who do you dislike mm -hmm. and you can build off of those kinds of things too and yeah. and throw seeds of a story to kind of get into that. Mm -hmm. um, and then once it, you're at the table, making decisions about how to act on those things. Right. Which, if you've built those relationships and you've built that backstory, is kind of just making sure you are playing your character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, getting into character, playing the role that you set out in those preparation sessions, basically. Right. And and this is like a great time to do check-ins over time and stuff like that to make mm -hmm. sure that it's going in the right direction. Uh, metagame knowledge is uh, probably a, a really good tool to utilize here uh, in order to steer the conflict in a way that you want it to be. Right. Um, and... and all of that can, can create a really great overarching story for your characters. Mm -hmm. um, 
But on the flip side of things, what about the conflict that we can't plan for? What about the the conflict that comes up kind of organically in a game where you're you're fine with conflict? Mm-hmm. You don't have any preset conflicts like between your characters, but now you've got conflict on the table. Yeah. How do we handle that? I mean, you start by checking in, right? And saying like, are you okay? Are you okay with going here? Mm-hmm. Um, and then honestly, I like to just see what happens. I like mm-hmm. to just, like I said, like play the character that I have in front of me. Like, what would this person do? And right. again, do that within reason because there are people that are like, well, this is what my character would do. And it's like, right. okay, but like, did you need to be a jerk? <laughs> no. You know? Um, right. And like keeping that tone under control right but Mm -hmm. if you have had these discussions that like i am okay with some conflict really letting yourself inhabit that role and be okay with some of that discomfort um Mm -hmm. because that is a really big part of having this kind of conflict is that like you do have to be okay with some level of awkwardness that like Okay, we're going to role play not not really liking each other right now and mm-hmm. knowing that we both said okay to that. Um, mm-hmm. Knowing that you can use an X card or like have safety tools in place for those things, which we talked about before. Right. Um, and then, yeah, just letting yourself have fun with it, letting yourself lean into it and just enjoy it. Um mm-hmm. And if it's something that you start doing and you find to be uncomfortable, you don't have to. You know, you can certainly go into it being like, I'm okay with conflict. That sounds right. And then it starts happening and you're like, this isn't what I thought it would be. Right. Don't. Don't. Um, But you can also, you know, start like kind of give it a chance and Mm -hmm. and see if it works. Yeah. I, I think another type of conflict uh, that we haven't exactly touched on yet is kind of the like behind the scenes conflict where you are as a character doing something that would be contentious with another character when that character does not know about it. Mm-hmm. So you're doing something behind their backs effectively, right? Right. Uh, where it is ripe for, I guess, the most extreme backstabbing, right? right? But with the players in full knowledge of what's happening. Right. 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 So the player that you are effectively betraying or backstabbing or whatever knows, but their character doesn't. Yeah. And that adds a potential conflict in this, in, in the way that, well, if that character does find out, yeah. oh boy, that's, that's going to throw up a big you know, in character. Yeah, you're laying the groundwork for something to happen in the future too. Yeah, Yeah, you're being sneaky and conniving and yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's a lot of fun sometimes too. I I love it um, when I as a player know that I'm about to like walk into a trap. (laughs) I really enjoy that option um, that it's like, ooh, I see what you're doing and I I see that this is going to be really bad for me later. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And again, that's something that you should have discussed ahead of time. Yes. That like, you know, are we okay with conflict that isn't necessarily just verbal or like Mm -hmm. in the moment? Are you okay with setting up 
conflict? Are we okay yeah. with backstabbing and undermining and things like mm-hmm. that? Um, because that is different than just like being in the room with someone you don't like, you right. know? Um, especially yeah. if you're the kind of person that likes to plan and carefully do things. And then somebody comes in and says like, oh, yeah. I am going to undermine all of that without you knowing. Right. Um, but again, that's what, you know, those conversations are for, are for yeah. ahead of time. And that's what X cards and things like that are 100%. for. 100%. And, and some groups do like the secrecy. Yes. So like there are some groups that will play, um, oh, I'm the rogue. I'm going to go do my roguey solo stuff. So now the GM and I will have a solo session outside of this session to see what happened there. Mm-hmm. And then nobody will know about it except for the rogue and the GM. Yeah. Right? I do not like that. <laughs> I like to know. I mean, I like to walk right into it, but I like to know. <laughs> exactly. So so subgroups do like that surprise, right? But knowing that surprises can be on the table is also a part of that safety discussion. Do we want to allow ourselves to have those surprises or do we want the meta knowledge to flow freely and play our characters as they would not know that that was going on? Right. 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 And and that takes a a certain level of uh, commitment to to know, Okay, this thing's getting set up in the background, but I don't know about it. I promise I'm not going to like spoil that because Mm -hmm. I know it's setting something up for later. Right. Yeah. There's definitely that difference between meta knowledge and no knowledge and understanding how to use meta knowledge in a game that, you know, the difference between character knowledge and player knowledge Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, how okay you are with that kind of stuff. And again, that is just sort of the, the difference between a switch and a dial, right? The yeah. like all the way up or all the way down or, right. you know, because for me having secret sessions where people are planning and I don't like that because it doesn't give me the opportunity then to use an X card or something like that to say, no, I'm not right. okay with this happening. Yeah, because it's stuff that canonically happened in the session that you don't know about. Right. And now it's like, is that fanfic or is that actually what happened in the right. game world? And and those are discussions that you would have to have at the table. Um, another big example of this sort of thing happening is a heel turn, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're a good guy, you're you're doing everything by the party, but then right at the con, uh, right at the the climax, now I'm the bad guy. Right. I was the bad guy the whole time. That immediately, like that's that's another betrayal. That's like all that sort of stuff, and you have to be okay with that sort of stuff and set that up ahead of time. Like, Hey, are we okay okay with backstabbing? Yeah. Are we okay with backstabbing? Cause some people aren't right. 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 And like, it's, it's a big safety concern. I remember an actual play that had a live safety issue with a backstab surprise backstab that they had to stop and they left it in and talked about it. And was retconned in the end and, and yeah. things worked out. But like, it's it's not a l- thing to go into lightly. Certainly. Say like, okay, I'm just going to surprise heel turn when, you know. Right. It was never even brought up that that was a thing that could be possible, right? Right, right. Yeah, so those, those discussions ahead of time in all of this are going to be very key about yeah. like what, 
you know, are we okay with conflict between players? What level of conflict? How much of that conflict needs to be out in the open? And, Mm -hmm. you know, like between whom? And all of those kinds of things are really important discussions to have. And then again, something like the X card or, you know, however you choose to, you know, do like the red, yellow, green, whatever. um, Something that gives players the ability in the moment to say, stop. No. Yep. Not okay. Exactly. The other thing that we need to talk about that's related to this is what to do if it starts becoming disruptive or uncomfortable or starts bleeding into real life. Right. Because you could have all the prep in the world and surprises can still happen. Uh, Game sessions are not novels that you're reading. They're improvised. Exactly. And with all improvisation, sometimes it goes in a direction, conflict or not, that you weren't anticipating. Right, right. It's why it's important to not just do lines and veils, but to also have an ability to say, no, this is, this yeah. is no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then how to have, how to have discussions with players when that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I, I keep saying it, but like a lot of people have had games where that conflict wasn't between characters, where it was mm-hmm. between players, where it spilled over to be between players. Right. And, we can do lots of things to prevent it, but what do you do when that doesn't work? Right. Um, I think really emphasizing those safety tools ahead of time, not mm-hmm. just in the preparing for a conflict that might happen, but in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I, I said in our die episode, but for people that didn't hear it, um, one of the things that's really important is not only... Um, giving players the ability to like say they don't want to do something, Mm -hmm. um, but encouraging them to say that because there are lots of people that are people pleasers and, you know, are like, well, I don't want to ruin everybody else's fun, even though it makes me uncomfortable. And then it kind of starts to spill over where it's like, okay, I don't really want to go to this game session now. I don't really want to because it's not fun, but I don't want to say anything. So not only telling people that they can say no, but that they should say no. Yes. And, you know, even as a GM doing that when your players do something, say like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not okay with that. Um, Right. And just really kind of constantly asserting that as an option Mm -hmm. um, for GMs, especially starting every session saying like, okay, here is a reminder that you can use the X card, that you can say stop, that you can, you know, that you can and should do this if it isn't fun Mm -hmm. for you. Um, And then really kind of doing some unpacking, some aftercare when a session is over to make mm-hmm. sure that if there was conflict, you talk about it a little bit, even if it's like five minutes yeah. to say like, hey, how's everybody feeling? How do we feel about that conflict? Is everybody mm-hmm. good? Um, you know, feel free to DM me later and like message yeah. me, text me, whatever. If it wasn't like it can be anonymous, whatever, but making sure that people have the opportunity to be clear if they yeah. weren't having fun, either publicly or privately. Mm-hmm. 
And it feels like when you're getting into those scenes of like, this is our conflict scene, right? If it starts, even at the beginning, uh, having something like an O card or the red, yellow, green mm -hmm. uh, is uh, safety tools really can add to the experience where if you are used to putting up that green, saying things are going swimmingly, let's keep moving. Mm -hmm. And used to using the yellow where th things are getting into kind of a dicey territory, mm -hmm. you can constantly be checking in without having to interrupt the flow. Right. You just hold up the green object, the yellow object, or the red object, or you keep tapping that O button or the, the X if it gets too much. Right. Right. And, and there's a lot to be said about being conscious of those safety tools in those sorts of scenes, not only as the participants, but also the observers, the right. people that aren't in the conflict yeah. as well, because the two or more people that are in conflict are not the only people at the table. No. And this is something I want to point out, especially for listeners and players who are neurodivergent. Um, this is something that can be extremely difficult Mm -hmm. For, I, I mean, for lots of people, but particularly people who are on the autism spectrum or um, I know for some people with ADHD, things like that, because social stuff can be really difficult sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I say this very like openly as somebody who is neurodivergent, somebody who has neurodivergent family, children, all that kind of stuff. It is coming from a place of understanding and love mm -hmm. um, that. Sometimes being in those situations can start to feel uncomfortable to a point where it like physically hurts. Yeah. Um, for example, I cannot watch The Office. I can't. Mm -hmm. uh, I know people <laughs> love it, but so much yeah. of the comedy is based on people being in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. That watching that show is extremely anxiety inducing for me. That, I that... do not find it funny. Yeah, and that does, it does feel like a lot of sitcoms, like in the past multiple decades, like as far as sitcoms go back even, mm -hmm. the, you know, this is going to go bad. Right. It just, we don't know how it's going to go bad. And knowing that bad stuff is about to happen to the characters really can ramp up that anxiety. I feel that all the time. My son whenever he's watching movies and stuff and he knows there's like this conflict going on and the characters are like starting to get that sort of heated mm -hmm. interaction with one another. He's like, okay, I can't watch. I, I, this is, this is too much for me. I'm going to go into the other room. Mm -hmm. And because he knows bad things are going to happen to somebody. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. And for me, it's even, more based on like social awkwardness, not just like, yeah. you know, like something bad's going to happen. Cause I definitely think that there's, there's a lot of tension in like role-playing games. Palpable. Right. Right. And so, um, yeah, that ability to say, even if you're not the one in the conflict, like, yeah, nope. Or like, can yeah. I leave for this part or can I, you the, know, like, can we slow down? Yes. Right. Is it's extremely uncomfortable. I think for a lot of us, because we've been, the one in the uncomfortable situation. And because for a lot of us, um, we are like hyper empathetic. 
Yeah. To the point where like someone else's discomfort, I feel like when other people around yeah. me are sad, I am also sad. And so when other things that are happening around me are uncomfortable, I am uncomfortable mm-hmm. and I don't like those feelings. Like yeah. that's why I can't watch stuff like The Office. I know people mm-hmm. think it's hilarious. I can't. It, I can't. Yes. I can't do yeah, it. Even if that discomfort is manufactured. Right. 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 Um, and so, yeah, like being aware of the other people at the table listening to them um again some of that goes back to that initial discussion of like are we okay with this um but also like i really really would encourage gms to also use those safety tools even when it's Mm -hmm. on small stuff you know like whatever just to show players that like you take those things seriously that it's not just like oh we're gonna have it here if you want but like Mm-hmm. You know, to just set that example um, mm-hmm. to make sure people know that it's okay to, like, not want to do stuff. Or it's, exactly. it's part of why I really like the red, yellow, green, too. Mm-hmm. Because it can be as simple as, like, tapping that green card or whatever and saying, yeah. like, yes, I'm enjoying this. Just as a reminder that those tools are there. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, if you're the person in the conflict being like, yeah, I'm good with this. This mm-hmm. is great. Um but yeah, you definitely need to be able to notice if the people outside of the direct conflict are are doing okay. Um, right. And then, you know, when it, if it does get to a point where it really is becoming disruptive or uncomfortable, um, that's, that's a really difficult situation. It's a really yeah. difficult situation because the options kind of are like, you know, do I go to my GM and say like, this isn't. I'm not liking this. I'm not really okay with this. Can right. you talk to this other person? Do I want to be the one that talks to the other person? Do I, you know? Right. So I think that is, I, I feel bad because we keep being like, oh, by the way, back at the beginning, you should. Um, <laughs> but it is something to establish kind of in your session zero of like, mm-hmm. if there are problems, what is the expectation? You know, is right. the expectation yeah. from the GM that like you will talk to the person that you're having a problem with? Do you want to come to me and I will talk to them? Mm-hmm. Is it a thing where like you need to talk to each other with the GM there so that you can all work it out together? Is it, you know, what mm-hmm. are the expectations there? Because once you start introducing conflict, we're all human. Um, and it it can be, especially when you're the, like me and you're the kind of person who has very big feelings yes. that like something that doesn't necessarily involve you or sometimes something that does. Um but isn't really that big of a deal, can end up feeling like a big deal. Right. And, you know, that's true also for people who are not neurodivergent. But um, especially for me, a lot of times mm-hmm. there, there are big, there's, I tell Nate that all the time. Like sometimes we just have big feelings. Yes. Um, and so the ability to, to know ahead of time how to handle that. Yep. And that's something that, like, we can't necessarily give advice on. That's really going to depend on your group, your relationship with your players, yep. how well you know them, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but just making sure that there are avenues for people if it does start getting yeah. disruptive. You know, so I think exactly. in the moment, you should have those opportunities to say stop or slow down. Yep. Um, and then afterwards, make sure everybody knows the sort of agreed upon method to communicate about those things. Yeah. And especially if you're the GM, to be prepared to kind of be the facilitator of some of those discussions. Right. And and I would also say, like, if you have a particularly intense scene between uh, two or more characters, 
uh, regardless of if it's, you know, between an NPC and a player character or two PCs, pause after the scene and like let the catharsis mm-hmm. like out and and celebrate their performance. Yes. Like tur- turn it from a negative like feel mm-hmm. into like wow like you, whew, you really that was... acted the heck out of it that, that <laughs> yeah. was intense that was amazing good job and like have that moment of like celebration with one another so you can kind of say this was this was cool this was intense it was a bit uncomfortable maybe have a check-in and at to kind of re-ground yourself in reality and be like yes. okay that scene is done yes because that's that was characters right. butting heads right not players and I think that's that's kind of what we always have to keep in mind with this inter-party conflict. This is characters having the conflict. Right. If it starts pulling into the players having a conflict, well, now we're talking about bleed. And that's a whole different episode that I don't think we've covered yet. We have not. We've... We want to, um, but it's a it's a very intense discussion. So we want to make sure that yes. we do it with the right with the right people. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. We promise. Yeah. Exactly. So how do we turn these conflicts into character growth and development opportunities then? I mean, I think we've we've talked a little bit about it, especially in like some of the kind of examples that I've given. Um mm-hmm. as ways to like facilitate discussion between characters as ways to continually reframe your relationships you know like i i said that there's there's nothing that says when you start in conflict you have to remain in conflict because i think Mm -hmm. you know like a reunion between siblings who don't get along can be really interesting and also very cathartic um there's nothing that says if you start not in conflict that something can't go wrong in the middle of a mission and somebody messes something up in a dungeon and now you're like i'm not working with you ever again you know Mm -hmm. um so letting those conflicts as they would in real life affect your character personally and affect that relationship Mm -hmm. because if something goes wrong between us it's not like you get out of the lair or whatever and you're like, well, right. new day, we start over. Uh, right. You know, it's it, that's not, you know, this is not an episode of children's television where it's like right. one and done, you know, like exactly. it's Phineas and Ferb, it's a new day, whatever contraption they built is gone, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, letting story that has happened impact things going yeah. forward. So I, I think really continually examining those relationships and saying like mm-hmm. how am i feeling about this now do i still feel that same level of conflict have i gained respect for this character because of this right. have i lost respect for this person because of it do i now dislike a different person because mm-hmm. of it you know um and and letting yourself continually rely on those those story beats Right. And then there's also the thought of, do I have my character lean more into this conflict, right. make it more intense, or would my character want to build that bridge back up? Mm-hmm. Now that the bridge has been kind of collapsed down or, or even possibly burned down in some instances, do we work to repair that? Because both of those scenarios are interesting for the story. And I think remembering that there's a middle ground, too, that, like, Mm -hmm. because your characters are in conflict, um, 
they don't necessarily constantly have to be like at each other's throats or something. You know, you can say like, you know, we're siblings. We really don't like each other. There are lots of downtime, you know, activities Mm -hmm. where we can, you know, be against each other or the way that we want to solve this particular puzzle is Mm -hmm. messed up or something. But then you get to like a really big story beat that's important to the group and you can do the whole like, I can't worry about that right now or let's put this aside for today and do this, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah. So like remembering, again, I I think treat these like conflicts in your own life Mm -hmm. in that like, sure, I... I cannot get along with somebody, but still realize that like today we have to do this thing and I can yep. suck it up for a couple hours yeah, and then go back to feeling how I feel about them. Yeah. And there's something to be said of like two people that are hyper competent mm-hmm. when they're working together. Right. That are constantly in conflict when they don't have to be working together. Right. Right. The having that dichotomy with your characters really does like feed off of one another and and that is another ripe potential for character growth and and whatnot and i just want to point out to everyone that you can't do enemies with to lovers without being enemies first so let that let that sink in (laughs) (laughs) that's the important takeaway takeaway. you can't be enemies to lovers if you don't start as enemies and also remember lovers to enemies also great. <laughs> also good. Also Especially good. if you come back again to lovers in the end. Right. Enemies. Yeah. Lovers to enemies to lovers. Mm. Yeah. Chef's kiss. It's just the best of yeah. all worlds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so our, our last one here, um, I've given a number of examples of mm-hmm. interparty conflict, but Ryan... I do have a couple examples. (gasps) I am shocked. Please Um, tell the dear listeners that you have at some point (laughs) had conflict. Yes. Um, Well, it's it's interesting. One of them I had stumbled into, and I believe I might have given this example at some point in the far distant past. In our Um, hundreds of episodes. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Uh, This harkens back to the Heroes Unlimited days. Um, I was a teen, so we weren't totally experienced with the whole role play thing, but we were kind of getting into it. And this was during my stint of every session I had a new character because that same session the character died for five (laughs) months in a row of weekly sessions. So (laughs) it was a lot of characters that I went through. But one of the characters uh, was a sentient artificial intelligent robot and didn't know anybody in the group yet. So this was a brand new superhero on the scene. And uh, we were playing the portion where my character was supposed to get introduced to the group. Mm -hmm. But we were in the middle of an adventure because, again, I kept losing characters over and over. And our adventures lasted more than one session. Right. Right. So I was this weird freaky robot thing that they thought I was part of the problem that they were trying to address. Mm -hmm. So at one point, I had startled one of the characters who then threw a sigh at me doing one point of damage. And that was just enough to kill my character at the end. But like the fact that there was this like very minor intra-party conflict of like, 
I don't know your character. I'm on edge. Like not immediately welcoming you into exactly. the group. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the example of like, uh, you know, combat intra-party conflict or so. Right. Um, which, yeah, and, I guess we've mostly talked about narrative, but yeah. Yeah. But you can, you can come to blows, right? And sure. it's effectively narrative with it, rules. Yeah. It, well, right. Like it got there somehow. <laughs> Exactly. Right. We didn't just wake up and start stabbing. Right. Ideally. Um, so so that was an example of uh, an intraparty conflict that happened to me that ended up killing my character because of the last damage that happened in the adventure was one hit point too many to my character. Mm-hmm. If I would have just held on by oh. the rules, I could have gotten repaired at the end of that session and everything would have been hunky-dory, but... Womp womp. Lo and behold, exploded. Next session, new character. But yeah, I mean, that is a really great example that like it doesn't have to be a big ongoing thing. But, you know, we we talked about plenty of times, too, that you meet in a tavern and everybody's yeah. like, let's be friends. I was like, no, yep. why would we do that? No. Exactly. And this is an example of, you know, obviously, ideally, it wouldn't end in character death. Right. But, you know, having that kind of conflict to start even being like, I mm-hmm. don't know you. Why are we? I don't trust you immediately. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah. And the the other example I had uh, was not directly involving my character, but um, in my my home game uh, with Beyond the Wall, um, one of the characters is a 14 year old necromancer wannabe witch type character mm-hmm. right uh very dark and brooding uh effectively the wizard of okay. the group mm-hmm. she wants to be the frontline fighter and that's very bad traditionally like strategically of like you don't put the wizard on the front line with a sword yeah but that's what she wants and <laughs> so the veteran soldier of the group He's like the mentor. He's like the oldest one in the group. He's yeah. the one that's been out of the town Getting before. Too old for and this. Was yeah. in a war and all that sort of stuff. Is like this is bad. You're gonna get hurt. I want. I'm here to protect you. Please don't be on the front. But then, like rebellious fourteen year old is like, nah. I'm I'm doing what I want to do. Right. And and my character had to act kind of as an and like a moderator between the two characters or so. Yeah. Um, it was kind of a in character, out of character sort of thing. And I could see that it was kind of starting to bleed into a like veteran RPG player telling novice child RPG player how to play RPGs instead of character to character talking. Yeah. So So how did you navigate that? I basically it was a it was a matter of like trying to um, tone down the situation in the game Mm -hmm. to say, well, it's working. We're fine so far. Yeah. And plus, she's got this really cool sword that only she can use. Right. So let's see how it goes. We will work diligently to make things work. Mm -hmm. My character is the face of the party. Right. So yeah, your charisma is like, hey, everybody, let's work together. (laughs) Exactly. Because you're Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Ryan, and and also my character is like the noble daughter of the nobility in the town. 
And like, so I've got this authority as well. And he's technically my bodyguard effectively. So like all this sort of stuff. And then I was basically using my authority to like kind of squash the situation there. But that also was kind of like a bit of conflict in and of itself. After the game, we talked through the GM and we, we, uh, cause my, my GM and I have been best friends since first grade and he knows we talk about this sort of stuff on the podcast all the time. Right. And so he came to me for advice on how to kind of handle this situation. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we talked about like what we can do, who, to, who, who should we talk to? And, and he eventually pulled the player aside and, talked to him about that and had him tone it down. Mm -hmm. So since that conversation happened, it's gotten a lot better. Good. And it's turned into a like, yeah, you shouldn't be on the front lines, but we're letting it happen because that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to be careful about it. Right. Because like there's something to be said about that sort of story playing out as well. Yeah. Well, and, and letting players like, interact with the story in a way that they want to because it's like obviously yeah. that character wants to be you know and then in game you know having a gm be like mm, i can't do that yeah being like but well this is the character the... that i brought to the table <laughs> exactly and 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 it's cool because our gm fed into it by providing her a magical sword that only she can use right right, right? and you know and like certainly having some level of that conflict is reasonable because if you do yeah. have a player whose character is like, my job is to be the mentor, that is what a yeah. mentor would do. It's exactly. just balancing that, like balancing out like, a little bit. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my suggestion, but I am yeah. open to the option that you don't take it. But it led to some really cool like goals of right. the group now. Cause like our group is like the the whole concept of the game is you have been in this village your whole lives. Mm -hmm. Adventure is new to you. you. You don't know what you're doing half the time. So like you're going to be unprepared in a lot of situations right. when you go beyond the wall. Right. So now one of our primary goals is to find protective gear or something that her character can use to keep her safe on the front lines. Yeah. Yeah. So now that's a plot point. Right. for the group yeah and that's a perfect example of like how you can you can build that stuff in and yeah you know certainly some settings kind of set you up for that you know like with die mm -hmm. and it's whole like everyone has to agree um with something like l5r where there's just sort of like naturally this historic conflict between clans um mm -hmm. you know uh, pasión de las pasiones where it's like this is supposed to be just real dramatic and messy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Intra I mean, really, the, the, the answer here is that, like, intra-party conflict can be fun. It doesn't. Yes. And if it is, as with any advice that we give, any game that we cover, anything like that, gaming is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. If it is not fun for you, our goal here certainly isn't to talk you into it. Yeah. And say, like, this is the thing. You got to try it out. Gotta, everybody's got to yeah. try everything once. No, you don't have to. Um, I'm a big believer in that, like, you don't have to try anything once. If you right. don't want to, you know, like, if it sucks, exactly. hit the bricks. Like, mm -hmm. it's a, you don't have to. Um, mm -hmm. The goal here is just to say, like, it, it doesn't have to be combative. Right. Um, and it, it doesn't 
have to be ugly. It can be yeah. a lot of fun. It can lead to some cool character development right. um, if done carefully and yeah. thoughtfully. A hundred percent. Like Passion de las Passiones is a perfect example of blending the serious and non-serious right. for interparty conflict. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Fiasco. Yes. That's a hundred percent interparty conflict, but it's all a farce. Right. Right. So it's it's all in good fun. None of it's serious. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to practice interparty conflict, I would say check out a game like Fiasco. Yeah, for sure. Because you're you're forced into interparty conflict because it's a competitive role playing game. Mm-hmm. You're playing technically to win, right? right? To to win Fiasco. I forget exactly what that means, but it involves... It depends on which place that you're using, what your goal exactly. is. Yeah, you want to commit right. some crimes. Yeah, but it's ripe for that sort of non-serious, non-committal, it's, it's meant to be a one-shot sort of way to get into an intra-party conflict sort of mindset. Mm-hmm. Pasiones de la Pasiones, you can play it as a one-shot, you can play it as, you know, a mini campaign or whatever... But that's another great game that can kind of prime you for this sort of interaction amongst other players because that's a game that is geared towards that interparty conflict in a non-serious, ton-in-cheek sort of way. Right. But like it's still in a dramatic sort of way. Right. 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 Yeah, you still have that conflict, but the understanding is like that's what the game is. Yes. You know, and that's, that's, I, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning is that like there are some games that it's like, this is what it's about is yeah. having that drama and things like that. And then yeah. there are games where you sort of add it to the game. And Fiasco right. is one of those games where it's like, no, the point is to like undermine each other and be trouble. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and having, if you want to practice, having those sorts of games available is are fantastic because. You can just go in, be as over the top as you want, and and know that it's supposed to be over the top. Right. And you're supposed to be seeding that conflict. Still have all the safety rules in place. Still make sure that you're not screaming at each other across the table. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's ripe for good times, good interparty conflict, and in a way where the stakes aren't super high. Right, right. Yeah, and in in a game like that where, um, you know, it's not necessarily a, like, deep emotional conflict. It's like, I win at crime. (laughs) You know, it's like my goal is like, (laughs) I got the jewels at the end of the heist, you know, which is not, like, emotionally devastating. Um, Again, yeah, there are, like, different levels, talking about that, there are different levels of conflict (laughs) and different levels of you know, emotional input and output. So, yeah. And and hopefully some of the stuff that we've talked about today uh, gets you to examine your own games. If you're like, well, I'm never a fan of interparty conflict, maybe check your game sessions and see if you have had intraparty conflict in the past and you've just been doing it naturally. Right. You just didn't recognize that that's what it was or, you know, that you, you did a little bit, but you kind of are interested in doing more or maybe your players yeah. are if you're a GM. Um, 
yeah, I, again, like anything with this, it's like it is another opportunity to sort of elevate your game to bring something a little more, especially as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we really hope that it's it's something that can enhance your play experience if it's something you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, for this inter-party, intra-party conflict episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've been using the terms kind of intermingling. I, uh, I intermittently, pointed but, out to Ryan as we were creating this outline, it is intra-party. Inter-party would mean two parties conflicting with each other. Uh-huh. Intra I, is internal. Intra-party, internal conflict yeah. amongst your party. Exactly. So... Uh, hopefully this has been insightful. I uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I, I personally have learned uh, quite a bit uh, that I hope to bring to uh, our, our game sessions in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, if people and have move- other ideas, too, of things that they'd really like us to talk about, um, you know, ideas that they have or things that have come up in their own games, we're very open to that, too. Like, please let us know if there mm-hmm. are, are topics that you'd like to learn about. Absolutely. So uh, thanks for joining us uh, for the special character evolution cast episode, everybody. We'll see you next time. really glad that we got to cover this topic. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's been kind of on the list for a while. Uh, yeah. Something that especially after Die, I feel like we really needed to talk about. We really did. Yeah. Um, and I do feel a little bit bad that most of this episode is like, I'm the guest and Ryan <laughs> is the host. At like, I'm like, well, here's what I have to say about it. And you're I just mean, like, somebody's got to like, be an expert on it, right? Right, right. I, I mean, mean, and you, my expertise isn't necessarily like, you know. Right. Um, I haven't done like a ton of it or anything like that, but certainly more than you. Yes. And it's something uh, I enjoy. Something you enjoy. It's something you're passionate about. It's something you kind of are seeking out in your games and, and everything. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's a, it's a, it's a whole new world. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's an interesting it was an interesting discussion. I really learned a lot um, and I, I hope we were able to uh, convey everything we needed to about the safety and everything to, to folks out there. We got some feedback from our patrons who were able to listen early um, and like the it's it's a really important topic, I think, to discuss even if you aren't going to be incorporating it into your games because it gets you into that mindset to think about other people and think about the safety of your your fellow players and stuff like that. And it's a thing that can happen even if you're not like, you know, even if that's not the main goal of your game, yeah. it, it can come up. So I'm, I'm really mm-hmm. glad that we got a chance to talk about it. I hope it kind of helps people think about some things that they may not have thought about with it. Yes. I hope it kind of encourages people to give it a try, maybe, if mm-hmm. that's your jam. Also, if it's not, totally cool. 
Absolutely. Uh, and plenty of great examples of what you can do uh, in games and, and what sort of games you can play. So uh, if you've got other uh, games that are geared towards inter-party conflict, uh, definitely uh, shout it at us on social media or our Discord, and we'd, we'd love to talk about it because uh, there's a lot of fun stuff out there. And stay tuned because Ryan and I are playing in a game of die right now and Ryan's gonna have to do some conflict so I'm, stay tuned I'm as I tell you how it. that's going uh-huh, <laughs> give you my little updates <laughs> mm-hmm. yep you'll get all of those updates for sure on our patreon uh which we'll be talking about in a little bit here yes. um at the the chit chat level which is any patron will get access to those um, so if you want to hear about that, uh, listen up to our calls to action because we can tell you exactly how to get to that and subscribe. So just a reminder, uh, if you want to find us on social media, especially if you want to suggest those games to us, uh, you can check out our new social media landing page at contact.charactercreationcast.com. You'll find links to all of our social media and everywhere else that you can find us online. Um, we'll try to keep it up keep it updated whenever there's a change or new ones get added because obviously the world is doing what it's doing um Uh i know i'm not really on twitter very much anymore i kind of read stuff but i don't post there anymore yeah um so if you want to find us around you can check out contact.charactercreationcast.com to keep up with that Mm mm-hmm uh, another reminder, uh, there's a couple Kickstarters out there. Don't forget about uh, the Courier's Call Season 3 and a Catacon 2023 Kickstarters that are going on right now. Um, Courier's Call has funded, uh, but they are uh, very, very close to making double the amount of episodes, if not over already. They were only a couple hundred away the last I checked. Um, so it'd be really great to get them there. Uh, a Catacon has also funded... Uh, and we both hope to be there this year. So if you want to come out and meet us there, check out this Kickstarter as well uh, to get a good deal on tickets uh, before they uh, become available to the public. We are also out of reviews still. We would love to read more of those and thank you personally. Um, We'd love to have some more recent ones. Mm -hmm. Even if you are listening from another country, it would be awesome to get your review because we are able to um, get those uh, from Apple Podcasts. Uh, But also Podchaser, Podcast Addict, or Facebook. We would just love to have some new reviews to kind of uh, Mm -hmm. bump things up to the top. So if you could do that, that would be wonderful, especially yeah. I think we've had a few people say that they're new listeners to the show, too. So if yeah. you are one of those, we would really love a review if you're enjoying it. Absolutely. Uh, it would also really help us out. So uh, please, if you can. Plus, it makes uh, us feel good. It really does. Uh, if you want to help us out in a more direct way, you can consider joining our Patreon. Uh, we still have uh, one-week trials available for the $5 level. So if you want to check out our bonus content before fully committing, uh, it's a great way to do so. Uh, once you lock in that pledge, we'll be able to send you a thank you card as well as custom dice at that level. Uh, if you want even more exclusive merch, you can join us at the $10 level and get a new sticker every single month. Uh, the last sticker is based off of our die series. Uh, and we are working on what next month's sticker is going to be, so you can stay tuned for that. Uh, and as mentioned before, uh, every patron gets access to the chit chats 
uh, and bonus outtakes as well as our character sheets. Yep. And then you can also get um, ad-free episodes. You can Mm -hmm. get um, bonus episodes. We are really behind on recording some of those because summer just was utter chaos so we're hoping to (laughs) we're hoping to do some more of those now that things have settled down and children are back at school Mm -hmm. um but yeah there's lots of great stuff on there so Mm -hmm. if you want to join us um like ryan said even at the one dollar level you get all kinds of stuff so absolutely uh in addition to all of those rewards you get your name read out on the show right here so we can thank you personally we really love thanking everyone up every episode i think it's really nice because it it always reminds me how many people we have supporting us too um because we couldn't do this without your help and honestly we really love making the best show that we can for you and your patronage really helps with that so as always we start with lieutenant and djg aka tigranosaurus you shouldn't have but honestly we're really glad you did mm-hmm Eric Bonds and Daryl Holiday II, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, Shadim Kaval and the Shyest Barbarian. We are really glad to have you with us. Benjamin Sweeney and Lorcan McGinnis, thanks for believing in us. Rob Fletcher and Kevin Brown, thanks for making all of this possible. We're glad to have you here, Tentacle Duck and Cole McCallum. Thanks for supporting. Thank you to John Adamus and the Electronic Enchilada Ensemble, who, due to safety regulations, can no longer perform in the rain. <laughs> I read all it. of that without stumbling on it either. You so did great. I did great. <laughs> Carlos Salazar and Eric S., thanks for believing in us. Ross Kingston and Ian Potmeyer, you rock. Thank you. Sorry, Goth and Liam G., thanks for supporting our dreams. Brian Colm and the Garden GM, you're the best. Dark Mirror and Tom, thank you for supporting. Blue Kryptonite and Danny, we are so grateful to you. Nicole Trainer and Liam Murray, thank you for your continued support. Thanks to Satwat Kungura and Kenning, we are so glad to have you backing us. And thanks to all of our future supporters. Uh, you are helping to pay for everything we put into the show and contributing to a growing and supportive community. If you are one of our $5 plus patrons and you haven't received a set of dice from us yet, but you really want one uh, and haven't given us our address before, please make sure to add your address into the Patreon so we can get a set sent out to you. Uh, and that is even internationally, we will send you a set of dice because we love you and we love your support. Just send us a message on social media through Patreon or email to let us know you have updated your info if that's the case. I did notice recently that um, it is not just adding your address. There is a box, I think, somewhere in your settings that you can check to um, for whether or not you want to receive physical rewards. So if you mm-hmm. haven't gotten a set of dice and your address is in there and you're wondering what's going on, um, go find that checkbox somewhere. I don't totally know where it is, um, yep. but that you do want to receive physical rewards and then let us know and I can get those sent out to you right away too. Absolutely. That is all we have for this episode. You can join us next week where we get to another series of episodes um, covering a really, really fun game with the designers. We just finished recording that one, and I'm so excited to share it with Mm -hmm. you. Uh, Until then, take care, everyone. Stay safe out there. Drink some water. 
enjoy the beginning of fall, find some pumpkin spice. I don't like pumpkin, but it's fine. Um, and keep making those amazing people. We'll see you next time. Character Creation Cast is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts, this show, and even our press kit. Character Creation Cast can also be found on Twitter and Blue Sky at CreationCast or on our Discord server at discord.charactercreationcast.com. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter, and I can be found on Twitter and Blue Sky at Lord Neptune or online at LordNeptune.com. Our other host, Amelia Antrim, can be found on Twitter and Blue Sky at Ginger Reckoning. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license or with permission from the podcast they originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. Our main theme music is Hero Remix by Steve Combs and is used with a Creative Commons license. This podcast is owned by us under Creative Commons. This episode was edited by Ryan Bolter. Further information for the game systems used and today's guests can also be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support our show, find us on Patreon. Get access to bonus episodes, exclusive merch, and much more at patreon.com slash charactercreationcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find that the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. In the universe of Starwall Odyssey, space is made out of the collective imaginations of all the thinking beings who live on various planets. These worlds are connected to each other through imagination. Common themes and ideas are strings between universes. And to get between them, people fly wooden ships that look like animals, which are powered by emotions. Also, people communicate with each other by contemplating orbs. The only way you can take pictures is getting stared at by a big psychic bug. And people have already declared victory in a war over the very concept of evil. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Starwall Odyssey follows the adventures of the hapless inhabitants of the Lucky Finn Tenement Building, who suddenly find that their apartment is actually a spaceship, and that they're lost in a sea of boundless imagination. It's an actual play starring me, James D'Amato, Mel D'Amato, Allie Grauer, and Drew Merzieski, as we playtest the No Kings system, which will hopefully one day be the Skyjacks role-playing system. It toes the line between weird and wonderful slice of life and high-flying space fantasy. You can sample the first five episodes by searching for Starwall Odyssey on your favorite podcast app, or get the whole thing by heading to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and signing up for $5 a month or more.